0: Hello, welcome to Let's Meet the Virologists, a podcast about the people behind today's virology headlines. With the annual American Society for Virology meeting coming up in two weeks, we are talking with graduate students and postdoctoral researchers who will be attending the meeting. Um, Thanks for talking with us today. Um, Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, Sure. Yeah. So my name is Marley Flo. I
1: am a South African who has been residing up in Vancouver, Canada, for just over a decade now. Um, I would probably describe myself as a virologist. Um, I have an ornate fondness for viruses. Um, outside of, of the, the, the professional life, I am an avid historical fencer. Um, and, yeah, I that's really what I spend most of my time doing. That and being a slave to the pet guinea pigs, because, you know... You seem to run this household.
0: And um, can you tell us sort of, uh, you know, in the beginning as it were, how did you become interested in science and then virology?
1: I think in high school, probably the subject that actually got me to do my homework was biology. And so, you know, I was like, okay, Um, went to university with the idea, well, I was going to do science, but I didn't really have an idea what in science. And so um, a friend of mine, who was a couple of years ahead, literally dumped a stack of textbooks on me and was like, have a look, which was horrid because most of them were so boring. I think I got to like page five and most of them. Um, but then I got stuck on, on good old Brock biology of microorganisms. And I think it's the only textbook I've ever read cover to cover. <laughs> and um, yeah, so I knew I was going to do microbiology like that was that was clear. Um, and then. I guess my first year of microbiology, I just had some really good lectures. I had my very first virology lecturer was uh, the late Don Henry, and he gave this phenomenal course, which I think most people hated because he went through the Baltimore system and like, you know, chose select viruses and was like, this is how they work and this is how they replicate. And I just loved it. Um, and I was also really fortunate that um, where I did my undergrad was Rhodes University and for every course you took, there was a lab course associated with it. So I actually got to do some hands-on virology. Like we isolated some phages and did plaque assays and you know, infected plants with CalP mosaic virus, did RNA work. And so I was hooked. I was just like, this is it's just so much and they're so cool and they're so small and sneaky. And yeah, so that's how I got into it. And you know, I've never really looked back.
0: And can you tell us a little bit about sort of the path that you followed? So how did you sort of get to your um, graduate lab, the institution? And then how did you kind of get to sort of your postdoc? What were you looking for? How did you get to those places?
1: Oh, this is going to be a roller coaster. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, so I I ended up selecting an honors project. based on, well, two things. I wanted to work with viruses, but I also wanted to learn as much as I possibly could in terms of lab skills. Um, And so I ended up in the lab of Rosemary Darrington at Rhodes. um, And the project was one of those that was sort of led into a master's. And so, you know, I stayed on and I did a master's and it was a great lab, it was such a good teaching lab. Um, I learned so much there um, working on insect viruses And it was sort of towards the end of my master's that, you know, I I read a book by um, Edward Holmes about RNA virus diversity and evolution. And I was like, whoa, there's so much out there. And, you know, this was when metagenomics was first, you know, big. And so I decided, well, you know, I may as well see what this is about. Um, And so I, Started looking into who did metagenomics out there. I knew I wanted to get some experience somewhere else outside of South Africa, um, looking at different environments. And I ended up in the ocean side of things and I found Curtis Suttle's lab. And so, you know, I shot off an email, didn't think he'd reply, he did, which was great. Um, and I found myself in Vancouver where I did my PhD, um, which was amazing. It was such a great experience. It was you know, not a lot known methods were terrible and so you spend half of your degree trying to just make things work um, another portion trying not to get seasick while sampling um, but it was really great having that experience of you know, taking a project from the raw sample all the way through the lab work to the analysis so yeah learned an awful lot um, and then at the end of my PhD, I was like, well, I need to start looking you know, for, for postdocs because I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do at that point. Um, and then, you know, the, the family constraints come in. My partner was doing a, a degree. And so I was like, OK, well, I have to, you know, I've got to stay at, at UBC. Um, and so I was fortunate that Eric Jan's lab had a postdoctoral position um, which was in collaboration with Chris Overall's lab, who's a proteomics lab. And um, again, I, I seem to be a sucker for methods and learning new things. And so this was great, I haven't done proteomics. And you know, this is just another tool in my toolkit to try and like tackle virus questions.
0: And so, um, yeah, that is how I ended up where I am. And um, so why don't you tell us a little bit about the work that you're doing? I assume it's proteomics. Some of it, yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, so um, I thought proteomics, done metagenomics, how how much different can this be? Woo, yes. <laughs> um, so Chris's lab is, well, um, known for their methods. And so they developed the, the TAILS method, which is a degradomics approach. There's been a couple of other methods that came out in that sense. Um, and so essentially I use that to look at how viruses alter the host proteome under infection. You know, what are they cleaving? Are they utilizing those products um, or are they just trying to get rid of it? Um, And that's sort of in a nutshell. Um, And we're looking at a couple of different virus systems. And so I am wrapping up my work on virus B3 right now, Um, trying to get some functional studies and, and mechanism down, which is always easier said than done. Um, but also we've done some some corona work um, and really gotten involved in a lot of collaborative projects um, to try and, you know, get things done. But mainly it's looking at, you know, protein cleavage proteases and how the virus uses these these products for its
0: nefarious or maybe not so nefarious means. I see. and. I'm actually not that familiar with sort of the idea of degradation products in a way. So could you tell us a little bit about that? So I've, I've heard of like sort of viruses trying to take out proteins transcriptomically or I guess, you know, post, post-translationally. But could you tell us a little bit more about that?
1: Yeah, so um, I mean, it's a relatively new field, um, but the idea seems to be that so yes, as you said, they cleave some proteins to get rid of it. You know, you've got um, dead grounds acting, and, and they get rid of the products. But a lot of these proteins, when you run a time course of infected lysates, you'll see this cleavage product occurring that just is present throughout time courses to the end of you know the replication cycle. Um, and so it seems like that that there's certain domains in, in proteins that the virus requires, but there's some signal in a protein that it doesn't want. And so we see a lot of changes for localization. For example, we see a lot of nuclear proteins that will end up in the cytoplasm doing different jobs there. Um, and so in, in picornas, a lot of them will cleave some of the new proteins. And so they'll, they'll mess up the, the, the pores and the transport. Um, and then we see a lot of these HRMPs, which are, you know, not really in the cytoplasm um, acting um, on some virus-related function. And so there's been a couple of studies looking at proteins that interact with the viral genome. And um, some of these proteins are nuclear proteins that we've seen gets cleaved. Um, and so I've not seen an awful lot of data in terms of you know, steadfast mechanisms because it's so hard. Right, there's so many different functions, um, but there clearly is. If we do knockdowns, you know, or you overexpress these, what we call the N terminus or the C terminus, um, you see effects on viral titer, and so they're doing something. Um, another example is probably well, no, well, we spoke. You mentioned it. Like they cleave. Rig-I or MDA5 to try and get rid of it. Um, But the HRMPs are probably the best studied. um, RNA binding proteins, a lot of them get cleaved.
0: Hmm. And so, yeah, how do you, yeah, that's that's kind of an interesting point. How do you study something, you know, normally we often like try and get rid of it or overexpress it, like you said, but how do you do it when you're dealing about with a part of a protein? It's a nightmare, I tell you. (laughs) I mean, so I think our first our first
1: step normally is to just get rid of it, to see, you know, is it actually important for the virus to have this protein? Um, and then if you see a change in intro extracellular titer, we we start going after, um, it's a little messy. We start by overexpressing, you know, the fragments, um, but you've still got that background protein there. Um, and so if you have a knockout cell line, that's ideal, right? So overexpressing um, these fragments um, to see, again, looking at tighter, is it actually, you know, we should see a bigger shift, um, whether it's good or not. Um, And then looking at biochemical assays, you know, the the easiest ones are always the ones that are involved in some immune response, right? (laughs) Um, It gets a little harder in some of the others, like we've got some right now that are involved in lipid metabolism, right? And so you would assume that If it's a a virus that replicates using membranes, it's probably involved in that. Like one of the ones we found that's cleaved is essential. If you knock it out, you don't get any virus produced, but trying to (laughs) to work with lipid associated proteins when you're not into lipids is really hard. And so it's it's a challenging field to do by yourself. I think it's a great field to produce data for the community and it's a great field for collaboration. Um, but it can be a really challenging field if you're, uh, I want to do this all by myself.
0: Right. Right. So that leads us to what are your next steps?
1: Oh, next steps. <laughs> um, so I am shameless plug. Um, I am currently job hunting. Oh, excellent. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, um, I'm, I'm trying to finish up a couple of things and, um, I am I've just started my fourth year and so I am I am job hunting Um, it might be another postdoc okay um might not (laughs) I'm sort of in two minds right now um I've really enjoyed contributing during this pandemic and you know not just working on my own work but actually being able to help other people be like look I have the skills I don't have the project but I can help you um And so, you know, there's a couple of options. The government wants to give me a job, I'll happily accept.
0: (laughs) And so, but you're more interested in still doing research and sort of like the academic track? I enjoy research
1: and I enjoy working with viruses. And so I don't know how good I am at asking for money. (laughs) (laughs) That might be a limiting factor, but I definitely enjoy it. I enjoy looking at data and I I enjoy thinking about, um, you know, the process like come generating hypotheses, you know, based on what we know and going down that path, which is often a sad path, but you know, we pick ourselves up and we choose another path and off we go. Um, Yeah, so I, I would prefer to be, you know, still have some hands on science.
0: Can you tell us a little bit about? Um, so obviously, this has been a very difficult year or two for everyone in the pandemic. What's it been like where you are?
1: Um, you know, I mean, so it's been a bit of a roller coaster. <laughs> um, you know, we sort of had to drop all of our current projects, which, which meant um, you know some people got scooped, and you know things things were a little sad in that front. Um, But it was also nice because I think I got a lot of opportunities I wouldn't have otherwise have had. And so we're sort of back to this like skill hoarding, which I seem to do um, in that we were fortunate in that we got the opportunity to be the lab who essentially established like level two Corona work at the university. Um, And so there were three of us, myself and two graduate students. um, And Jimin and Reed put in a lot of time to get, you know, MHV systems running and 229E systems running. Um, And, you know, we're not a corona lab. Um, Enveloped viruses (laughs) was a whole different thing. Um, But, you know, it it was great getting it up and running and and actually providing just help and support to other researchers who were interested in it. Um, They also kicked our Level 3 facility back into action, which was great. Um, And so turns out I absolutely love working in a level three facility. You could just lock me in there for the whole day. My kidneys might not like it, but you know, (laughs) I tend to. Um, Yeah. So it was just great getting those skills and being able to work down there and, um, you know, moving into the world of respiratory viruses, which is something I hadn't done before. Um, So that was great. You know, a lot of opportunities, not the easiest thing to like job hunt in, (laughs) is a pandemic, but I think it also, it gave some time for sort of reflection of, you know, where you fit in, in this greater world that is science and 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 what you want to do and what your contribution is to society, which, which was, I think, needed. Cause I think, at least I get so wrapped up in what I'm doing every day that I forget about the bigger picture. Sorry, Curtis, <laughs> you taught me better. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think it was a good time for that sort of reflection and just being like, you know, this is what I'm good at. This is what I enjoy doing um, and supporting other people through it. Um, Because there were a lot of people, you know, who had these ideas of I want to test this chemical compound because I think it inhibits fire and, you know, it, it costs me an extra hour down in the lab. So why not? You know, maybe something
0: good comes from it. Right, right. So can you tell us a little bit about some of the work that you've been doing? So it sounds like you were testing some drugs for sort of antiviral effects, um, anything else? Um, yeah, so I mean, we, we've got a
1: project uh, running on looking at degradomics.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Um, and so we started that before we got COVID-2 in. Um, and so that was looking at, at MHV. Um, and then some, um, well, um, I've been assisting one of the other labs who was also doing a degradomics project in, in their viral, viral aspect. You know, so um, pretty much what we talked about before, just just in, in like a COVID-2 setting. Um, so that, that's pretty much been, been it. I haven't been doing much. There, there's someone else in the, in the facility who's doing a lot of small molecule work hmm. um, and you know, testing antibodies. And so a lot of it, I know it's like a thankless pursuit, I guess, but a lot of it has been just trying to get people who are not virologists per se, but, you know, who want to use virus systems into it. And so being like, okay, let's troubleshoot your plaque assay. Let's let's get this thing working, you know, be like, no, you, you want to do this. Don't thaw your virus. you are not going to have any left, you know, just... Um, it's been kind of nice. You know, it's been a mixture of, of sort of teaching and and then doing some some of our own degradomics based work.
0: And sort of, I guess, personally, how has the pandemic affected you? So I think you know, for a lot of people, um, it's obviously been very difficult for various um, reasons. Um, how's it been like for you?
1: No, I think I'm a little bit of a hermit, so. From that respect, it was, it was a little convenient. Um, It, I know, I think I went through phases of losing faith in humanity and then gaining faith and then losing faith. And, you know, but um, I think for the most part, the, the toughest part was not being able to be there for friends who were clearly having a harder time than what I was. No, I, I had two weeks at home. Um, and I spent the rest working. Um, Once I got over the initial, don't come close to me, better be wearing your mask, buddy. I'm approaching, it was fine. Um, And so, you know, I don't think we had much of an issue. Getting into vets was hard, you know, going to see a doctor, that was frustrating. Um, But, you know, we just planned ahead. I think the hardest part was seeing, you know, people that you care about that, you know, obviously needed help, and you just was just physically not capable of doing it, which was, I think, probably, probably the hardest part for me. But other than that, you know, I think the um, the government of Canada was pretty good with providing support. And you know, I I don't other than other than you know the, the human aspect, um, you know, it was it was okay. It was more stressful. Yeah. It's definitely more stressful. I've got more gray hair, but you know, it's, I made it through. Um, maybe give me another 10 years before they throw one at me again. <laughs> but you know, it wasn't, it wasn't a complete train wreck like it was for a lot of people. And I'm really grateful for that.
0: So um, the work that you described, this is what you're going to give your talk on. Is that right? Yeah. So my
1: talk is on the virus. Okay, great.
0: great. Yeah. All right. Well, we look forward to hearing about degrodomics of virus. (laughs) I look forward to telling you about it. Um, And thank you very much for talking with us today. Thanks for having me. This has been Let's Meet the Virologist, a podcast about people who study viruses. This is your host, Larissa Backright. Thanks for listening.